The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks again for taking the time to join us here on Winning Ponies. I am John Engelhart, and we've got some outstanding racing to review and preview, and we brought you some outstanding guests. First-time starter in the first slot is none other than Robert Forbeck. Now, Robert Forbeck, a lifelong fan of racing, has worked his way into the racing world by way of River Downs, Hollywood Park, Turfway Park. Uh, then he got out of it for a while, and he was a sales manager at iHeartMedia, and he was able to swing back into the racing game, and he has been hired as the National Advertising Director for the Daily Racing Forum. So he's going to tell us about some of the innovations and things that uh, are going on with the form. But we've got such an unbelievable card at Saratoga. He is also going to handicap with us. Just so you know, Robert and his father have both qualified to the National Handicapping Championship. So he's uh, involved in a game that he loves and knows how to play. After that, we're going to bring in one of the biggest names in the game, Stephen Christ. He has announced his retirement after 35 years. Of course, uh, you know him as the Daily Racing Forum executive and columnist and author of books. And um, I don't know if anybody has contributed more to the Daily Racing Forum over his career than Stephen Christ. It would have to be him and Joe Hirsch in, in a dead heat. So uh, looking forward to talking to Stephen Christ about his career. And then, of course, I'm going to swing into a little race that's dubbed the Midsummer Derby, and that would be none other than the Traverse Stakes. And uh, nobody's really ducking Exaggerator, I can tell you that. So with all that good racing on tap, it's time you came to winningponies.com and pulled down our easy win forms. Some pretty decent scores all over the place this week. Up north at Woodbine, a $1 super key brought back $7,800. And where the turf meets the surf, Delmar, we had some back-to-back winning days. A $1 super five box paid $4,934. And just uh, six days before that, a $1 super five box paid $4,053. And let's not forget our friends in the middle of the state at Mountaineer. Had two solid hits, a $1 super high five, paid $2,875. And four days later, a $1 super five, $2,557. That's your easy win forms. Nothing easy about the Traverse Stakes, that's for sure. It looks like Exaggerator is going to be part of a 14-horse 
field. So uh, it's going to be quite the race. Nobody's really uh, ducking anybody in here. Exaggerator installed at 3-1, to one, as you know. Very impressive in the Haskell Invitational, his last time out. After throwing in a clunker in the Belmont, rewind to the race before that. That's right. He was your Preakness Stakes winner. Now, the weather is looking clear, from what I understand, up at Saratoga. So uh, we'll get to see if Exaggerator's the real deal on the fast track or that he just likes wet tracks. On a wet track, five starts, four wins in a second, earnings $2,800,000. Now, there's going to be some new players uh, in the game. Chad Brown, who's uh, had quite the week, uh, has connect in there. This horse has only made four lifetime starts. Three of those are wins. The last one got a 101 buyer in the Curlin, $100,000 stake, not graded. And then American Freedom, who ran second behind Exaggerator after setting all the pace in the Haskell Invitational, uh, will be coming back. He's listed at 6-1, to one. Rafael Bayerano being the saddle. Very interesting. Bob Baffert trying something just a little different is throwing blinkers on American Freedom. Well, uh, creators in there, you like odds, 15 to 1 for the Belmont winner. If you put a line through his uh, Jim Dandy, uh, that's a dandy price right there at 15 to 1. Then, of course, you have the horse that had upset him in the Jim Dandy from Flagfall to that's all, Leo Ban. It'll be very interesting. He was 27 to 1 that day. He's listed at 15 to 1. Gunrunners back in the mix with Florent Giraud at 10 to 1. So that's just kind of a peek at the package in the Midsummer Derby, the Traverse Stakes. Um, and it's just it's so hard to, to concentrate on any one race that day, the Traverse being the highlight. Now, Mohamed is going to be winding back to the King's Bishop. He's going to be going seven furlongs now, and he's been given the go-ahead by Kieran McLaughlin. So we'll find out if perhaps the change in distance can make the change or if that he was just a great little league player and he can't go with the big boys. We'll find out, but he definitely needs to get back on his winning ways. He was fourth in the Jim Dandy last out, but he did since then work a bullet 47-1 and one at Saratoga. Brought up Chad Brown. Congratulations to him. Just yesterday, he captured his 1,000th win. Now, that's hard enough to do as a jockey, but considering you don't get as many opportunities as a trainer, it's quite a feat. So uh, he now is, of course, uh, based in New York, and uh, his heavily favored Mr. Maybe won the John's Call Stakes at Saratoga. So uh, congratulations to uh, Chad Brown. He uh, grew up not far uh, from Saratoga in Mechanicsville, and uh, so he said it was particularly meaningful to reach the mile at Saratoga. He says, it seems like not long ago I wasn't even training. I was just in the picnic area with my parents. And right now he currently leads the Saratoga trainer standings at 31 wins. So uh, congratulations to him. Certainly a, a class act and a guy that came up the right way under trainer Bobby Frankel. Well, uh, the super mayor Teppen is back, and uh, they asked her to flash some of the greatness she has uh, with her, and the, the five-year-old mayor had a really nice workout of 47-1 and one in company with graded stakes winner Aeroforce at Saratoga. 
So uh, it was just her third workout since becoming the first U.S.-based horse to win the Grade 1 Queen Anne Stakes at Royal Ascot. So uh, it looks like... Uh, Florent Giroux has been aboard Teppan as uh, regular rider Julian Le Peru is uh, sidelined with a wrist fracture. Uh, we will uh, keep our eyes out to see where Teppan lands. Now, you may recall Lady Aurelia from the, the, the barn of Wesley Ward, where she's over in Europe right now, and she won the French grade one Darley Prix Mornay over Colts and Phillies at Duvel. She ran six furlongs for the first time and, believe it or not, stepped in not one but two holes and lost her uh, stride but quickly recovered and came back. Uh, according to Frankie Dettori, she had two bad patches of ground, and the second one she put her foot right in a hole and lost all her momentum. She still came back on the turf rated as good. One ten and three. Now she's raced by Stone Street Stables, and is being pointed to the Chevrolet Park Stakes. That's a Grade One in Newmarket, and then Wesley Ward is going to bring her back to the U.S. and take a shot in the Breeders' Cup. A very uh, interesting uh, way of getting back uh, to California. If anybody can do it, it's Wesley Ward. Well, let's. Uh, take a look at one of the biggest upsets we saw last week, and that was the Lake Placid, a $300,000 race on the turf. And who would have thought that catch a glimpse, undefeated in her career, Breeders' Cup winner and champion, would be defeated. But under John Velasquez, time and motion challenged the front-running catch-a-glimpse in the final turn. It looked like catch-a-glimpse was going to turn back time and motion again, as they had in their last meeting. But this time, Johnny V got time and motion up. A lot of people tearing up tickets after that one. Again, catch-a-glimpse did not win her debut sprinting on the slop. They moved her to the turf. And since then, she was 8-4-8. Well... You're probably wondering where the 800-pound gorilla is. Let's bring it up. And that was the $1 million TVG Pacific Classic featuring California Chrome. Uh, California Chrome, of course, was going to be taking on multiple champion Beholder and Dortmund, who really tested California Chrome in the San Diego Handicap. They had to break from the one hole. So Victor Espinosa in this mile-and-a-quarter race got him out, and moved him out, out to about the four-path. And it looked like all of a sudden he kind of grabbed Chrome back and was hoping that Beholder and or Dortmund would go ahead and take the lead as California Chrome likes to run at horses. Well, it didn't happen. They let uh, Chrome stay on the outside, and he stayed on the outside, and then he said, the heck with this, I'm going to save ground going into the first turn. Victor Espinosa put the horse out there and played catch me if you can, and this field that had five grade one winners could not catch him. Uh, running very gamely in the second spot was Beholder, and Dortmund finished third. So California Chrome, we might get lucky next week. I'm going to try to get a hold of Alan Sherman, Art Sherman's son and assistant trainer, and talk about the future plans for California Chrome. Well, it certainly wasn't uh, the only race out at Del Mar. We did have a Breeders' Cup win and you're in 
with the Del Mar handicap. And the winner in here, bet down with Gary Stevens up, was Ashley Loves Sugar. Uh, took the lead first time past the grandstand, rated very well, and just held on by a head over the horse I liked, and that was Metaboss. It was a huge finish, uh, but the horse was far behind, widest of all. So put Metaboss on your list. Congratulations to the connections of Ashley Loves Sugar, though. Uh, still very impressive. Also out, out at Del Mar, we had the 60th running of the Del Mar Oaks. You know, that means it was for three-year-old girls. And if we thought it was kind of interesting, we pointed out that Bill Mott was traveling out to Del Mar and that of the times when he has shipped four stakes races from New York to Del Mar, 18 times he's done it, nine wins. Now he's even better than 50% when he ships. So remember that when you see Bill Mott show up at Del Mar, you're going to want to take an extra trip to the betting window. And by the way, he came out of that race, the uh, Belmont Oaks, which was won by Catch a Glimpse. So uh, congratulations to Harmonize and everybody in the Bill Mott barn. Junior Alvarado was in the saddle. Uh, Then we had the replay race, the four-star Dave Handicap that was washed out two weeks ago. Well, they went back into the gate, and the winner was Tourist, who pressed the pace the whole way, was eventually the 5-2 to two favorite, and got the job done over a lot, who lodged a uh, claim of foul for bumping at the start. And there was a little bit of a bump, but at 5-1, to one, a lot took the second spot. And third was Grand Arch, the horse that won it last year. Then, of course... Uh, we uh, cannot forget the uh, rescheduled Adirondack, and that took place on Friday. And the winner was number two, Nona Mella, off at 8-1 to one from none other than the Todd Pletcher barn. And I believe we uh, told you last week that it was the dam was a full sister to Bluegrass Cat. So this is certainly a filly with a future, Nona Mella. Second was my pick, Silver Atoni, out of the Wesley Ward stable. And in the third spot was number three, Olive Branch. And, of course, we all know who flew in the Alabama, Songbird. She's unbelievable, 10 for 10. In the second spot was Going for Broke, a 12-to-1 shot. And third was Family Tree. All right, that's a look at what happened last week. This week, we're going to go to the spa, but before we do that, we're going to talk to one of the new kingpins at the Daily Racing Forum, my friend Robert Forbeck. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And with me, my guest is Robert Forbeck, a gentleman that I have known for many years, and I've uh, watched him go in and out of the racing game. Obviously, it's something that uh, he really has a passion for. Uh, started as a kid walking around the racetracks of Cincinnati, and uh, then eventually uh, got to kind of work there as an intern, went out to Hollywood Park for a little while. Then he uh, put in his mainstay at the races over at, over at Turfway uh, Park, and uh, then took a break to be the sales manager at the, one of the top ten radio stations uh, in the country, iHeartMedia in Cincinnati, and found his way back into racing, and he's going to uh, take over as the National Advertising Director of the Racing Forum. Welcome, Robert Forbeck. Yeah, thank you, sir. Pleasure to be on. Well, uh, I'm so glad you, you, you landed back where, where your heart is uh, in, in racing. Did I pretty much uh, uh, map out your your career path in that minute and a half well pretty much i mean i i it's it's funny because i mean you and you talk about how long we go back i mean uh one of my buddies and i uh back on the was it, what was the show that you guys did on, on channel nine here in cincinnati the stretch run is that what it was the, way, the way stretch back run. like this at the 80s we kept or it going. So. yes we uh we we would there were a couple times where we positioned ourselves you guys would be out filming on the grandstand now on the apron and whatnot and we positioned ourselves to to get on the camera, and we, we'd watch ourselves on Sunday mornings. That was like the, the highlight of our of our Sundays uh, was being on the, the stretch run show. So, yeah, but it, it's uh, so that that shows how I grew up basically. And uh, you know, as you said, I, I love the game. Even you know, I spent 15 years out of it in the radio business, but you know, still an avid player. Play, I love playing in contests, qualify for NHC tournament a couple times, and uh, just by happenstance, found my way. Uh, back into the industry with the racing forum, which my wife has always said, if it weren't worth for the racing forum, I'd never read anything at all. So um, <laughs> I kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely one when I'm out there talking to our racetrack partners that practices what I preach. I can promise you that. Well, uh, you know, what, what, what's great about it is, is you've come in at a time uh, kind of interesting. Um, our next guest, of course, is going to be Stephen Christ, who was there for the huge wave of uh, the information age of, of racing and handicapping. And uh, the 
form certainly has embraced that because you guys not only come out with uh, innovative tools that we can pull down, but I like the, I like the new format with uh, some of the personalities you have and the videos you post, uh, both previewing and reviewing the racing scene. Well, yeah, I mean, that's something over the last few years that the, the racing form has committed millions and millions of dollars to. Obviously, you know, print uh, for the most part in most parts of the country is is uh, on its on its deathbed. I think uh, the form might be the last standing print publication there may be at some point in time. But they've spent uh, millions of dollars building out digitally drf.com and then creating the drf TV product that you were just mentioning with Dan Illman and um, uh, Mike Beer and Matt Bernier and those guys that are you know kind of the like the up and coming wave of, of handicappers, you know, it, you know, the handy buyer obviously is, is the man, but these guys are on, on the, you know, following in his footsteps and it gives people access to the racing form and to information 24 hours, seven days a week. I mean, I remember growing up having to go downtown to King's newsstand in uh, downtown Cincinnati on a Friday night at 11 o'clock trying to get my racing form for Saturday and if my mom would have ever found out, she would have killed me that I was down there in that neighborhood. <laughs> I know you're familiar with that, but now people don't have to do that. They could just go online to DRF.com and pull up classic PPs or formulator PPs and have them 48 hours in advance, and it's all right there uh, at your hands, whatever you want it. Well, we're going to be talking to a guy that has played a big part in, in creating that when we get Steve and Chris down. But right now, I'm sure you downloaded some of those PPs. I want to ask you some questions about the earlier races as we were uh, talking off microphone. There's going to be a huge million-dollar uh, pick four, and involved in that pick four is going to be the sword dancer. And let's face it, as Kevin Gomer used to say, put a ring around Flintshire. <laughs> so that's going to move this to a pick five and a pick three. Yeah, well, Flintshire, I was actually at uh, Saratoga a few weeks back when uh, when he ran last. And, I mean, talk about just toying with the field. I mean, he did it on Belmont Day. Uh, I, was at, I was at Belmont that day as well when he kind of made his U.S. debut, if you will, for Chad Brown. And it's just, it's a, he's an amazing animal. But you're right, just take the free spot and, and try to find some prices in the other races. Because, quite honestly, for the most part, every race is, is pretty wide open. Well, speaking of that, let's go right to the personal ensign. I can't believe this race, okay? It's a grade one, $750,000. It only drew five horses. I have to be honest with you. If I'm doing a big ticket, I've got to use at least three of the five horses. Well, it's so well, competitive. Yeah. For sure. I mean, I'm a chatterbox. is about as consistent as they come. Uh, Carolina loves Saratoga. And, you know, anytime you've got Pletcher Velasquez, you, you know, you, they're tough to beat there. And then cavorting her last two races have just been fantastic I, I think the one question about mark about cavorting is uh is can she get a regular two turns you know those two distance races that she that she won uh in her last two starts were at belmont going one turn so the question for her is can she truly get two turns uh i think that's a big question mark but you know Carolina and i'm a chatterbox i mean you know they've uh they've uh they've gone at it before uh in some thrilling races one that uh Saratoga last year in the Coaching Club of America Oaks when it was a uh, head bob down to the wire. And quite honestly, it's probably going to be one of those two uh, on Saturday as well. Yeah, and, and Carolina in that race last year was placed first through disqualification when she was carried out late by Ama Chatterbox, though that could be debated on who bet what horse, that's for sure. <laughs> that's, All right, the grade true. one ballerina, that's a half a million. That's going to be up there. This one... 
quite a bit wide open as well. I find it interesting, and we're going to see this in another race, two of the, the, the favorites, Waveville Avenue and Karina Mia, who's a three-year-old taking out older horses, both got outside posts, the eight and the nine hole. I'm not sure how that's going to affect the horses you like. Well, I mean, for the most part, I, I, if, if I'm handicapping or if I'm an owner or a trainer, well, I, I kind of like to have those outside posts, especially going seven furlongs. It gives you a chance to come out of the gate and kind of survey the landscape and kind of keep yourself out of trouble as long as you break cleanly. And uh, I, the, the thing for me, for uh, Karina, Karina Mia, I mean, obviously, she, she, uh, they gave her basics back on Oaks Day. Uh, I mean, she's been fantastic. And that race she ran against Songbird last time, I mean, honestly, I thought she was by Songbird at the quarter pole and was just amazed when Songbird uh, pulled back away from her. But it's going to be interesting to see if that's what that took out of her, if anything, because I think she comes back to her preferred distance going seven furlongs today. Uh, and I think she's going to get a great stalking position. You know, Wavell Avenue, she's another one, as you mentioned, she loves. Uh, she's three to one morning line. She's two for three at, uh, at Saratoga. I think if you're maybe looking for a little bit of a price, and I was kind of surprised uh, that she was only five to one in the morning line, but sheer drama as yeah, two wins in a second at Saratoga. Um, I, I, this might be a little too short for her. I think she prefers to go to go longer. Um, but you know she ran. She put a big number up in her first start of the year at Keeneland. Uh, I had her that day at eight to one, and I'm definitely going to put her on my ticket on Saturday. Even though I think Karina uh, uh, Karina Mia is probably, even though she's a three year old, to me she's the one to beat. Well, she's she's been working lights out down at Gulfstream. Looks like she's ready. Well, in some of the other races, uh, like the, uh, the 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 King's Bishop, uh, that that one looks uh, pretty. Uh, <laughs> Tasty. That had to be hard to make a line on that one. Well, I mean, you can make a case for probably seven of the 13 that are in here. Uh, I'm going to go, and I, I was looking at this race, and I've seen several of these run uh, in their last starts. The one that I've been kind of most impressed by all year long is uh, the two Fish Trap Road. Quite honestly, this is, a, this is a colt that I chased quite a few times last year to no avail. I mean, this horse took my money and burnt a lot of people's money on uh, several occasions last year. But coming back this year, that race on Derby Day, I think that was the race after the Derby, and it blew up my late pick four because I I didn't have him on my ticket, and he just coasted in that race. Came right back with a huge race on the Woody Steven that day. If you remember, the horses were spread all over the track. I mean, they they went crazy fast. He was right up on that pace, and Tom's ready you know, came down the center of the track and ducked in the inside. I mean, that race was falling apart at the end. And then he came back and ran a huge race in the Dwyer last time. I mean, he's in prime, prime form. And I think he's going to sit a pretty good shot, maybe just sitting just off the pace. He's 8-1 to in the morning line. And uh, Luis Saez has been red high the last several days at, at, uh, at Saratoga. I mean, watching him, he's one of the strongest riders there is carrying a horse to the finish line. So, uh this trap road for me is going to be a little price in the, in the King's Bishop. All right. Well, we already mentioned uh, in, in the Sword Dancer, Flintshire, uh, the one to beat. I would have to say that uh, once again, if you don't think post position play, plays much in the seven furlong races, that for the boys, looks like the best two in the in the four go are, are parked on the outside in AP Indian and Marking. Yeah, AP Indian, you know, it's funny because I, I had, in, that last time they ran against each other, I had Marking to close out that pick four that day, and he looked like he went right past AP Indian, and then AP Indian came right back and, uh, and beat him, and 
surprisingly for this race, there doesn't seem to be a lot of speed lined up. So AP India is going to get a good stalking trip. However, there's a horse in here that arguably ran his best race of his career the only time he was at Saratoga, and that's the three limousine liberal that I think putting Javier Kesselano uh, on him uh, on Saturday, I think this horse is going to shoot right to the front and try to do the tactics that, you know, he's had a tra- set a track record at Keelan in his uh, 2016 debut on April 6th, going wire to wire. And quite honestly, if he runs anything close to that race or the race that he ran against Run Happy last year at Saratoga, I think this horse could possibly take him wire to wire at a pretty substantial price. All right. Well, my producers tell me it's time for me to get out real quick. Your Travers choice. Uh, you know what? I'm going with a horse that I've been chasing the last couple of times, even though I, I hated everything that came out of the Belmont States. Um, I, I think this horse is, is sitting on a prime trip, and again, it's a good price. Governor Malibu, the four horse, had yep. all kinds of trouble in the Belmont. Had a little bit of trouble last time in, uh, in the Jim Dandy. Again, I was up there that day, and that blew up our pick six ticket, but I think this horse is going to sit a pretty good trip. There's a, you know, Baffert has a couple horses. You don't know if they're going to run each other into the ground. And this race is, there's some closers, there's some speed horses. I think this horse kind of sits right in the middle, and I think he's got a good shot out of there. All right. Well, thanks a lot. We've been talking with the uh, National Advertising Director of the Bible, the Daily Racing Forum, <laughs> Robert Forbeck. And when we come back, we're going to uh, take a guy that wrote quite a few chapters and verse in that Bible over the years, Stephen Christ. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. All right. Well, we just talked to the National Advertising Director of the Daily Racing Forum, and now we're going to talk to a guy who probably made his job a lot 
easier over the years by contributing so much to the sport of racing and to the daily racing form and other publications. Steve and Chris, how are you? Hey, John, I'm doing just fine. Well, uh, I, I've heard some from friends of mine that uh, the, the life of retirement is highly recommended. What do you think so far? I don't have a single complaint so far. We're <laughs> uh, thoroughly enjoying it. Well, that's great. Well, I need, I need to kind of rewind the, the tape of your life a little bit. And can you kind of tell us what it was that first drew you to the sport of Kings? Oh, I, it really was, uh, was by chance. I was at a, a sophomore in college, and one night a friend said, hey, you want to go to the dog track? And I said, what's a dog track? And two hours later, my academic career was basically over. Uh, <laughs> I uh, fell in love with the racetrack. The next day I went to Suffolk Downs, and uh, the, the die was cast. And uh, if you can learn to like racing by going to Suffolk Downs, I think you really like racing. Absolutely, that or the Great Barrington Fair, as I uh, saw as a, as a young child, and then got to run around Saratoga, which was kind of tough starting at the top like that, and then having to go to some of the other tracks. But uh, what uh, uh, can you kind of connect the dots for our listeners on, on your career path? Because you've done a lot of things, Stephen. Well, I'd, uh, I started out in racing as a, a reporter for the New York Times, and I covered racing for them for ten years. Uh, as a kind of one-man show there uh, as a reporter and then a, a columnist. And then along came a guy named Robert Maxwell in 1990 who wanted to take on the daily racing form with a brand-new paper. And, uh, you know, I, I had the greatest job in the world being the racing writer at the Times, but that was just too good an opportunity to pass out pass up, you know, to invent a newspaper from scratch and hire all the people you thought were the best in the business. Uh, so I did that, and that lasted a couple of years until the evil racing form bought us and, and shut us down. <laughs> and I went off and did a couple other things. I, I worked for the racetrack. I worked for government a little. And then finally in 1998, I was able to put a, a group together to, to buy the racing form. And uh, until I retired last month, I've been there ever since. Well, you know, over your 35 years, you bore witness, and we're a big part of what I'll call the information age of racing and handicapping. What are, what are some of the major innovations that you saw influence uh, both the sport and the way that we play the game? Well, I, I think... It's the thing that's changed most in, in racing while I've been around it, and it's really kind of hard to, you know, it's almost hard to remember what handicapping used to be like, uh, you know, when you had to go out to a newsstand uh, late at night to get the next day's form, and you brought it home, and there was so much information missing in it. You know, I'd have to sit up with colored pens until 3 in the morning, mm-hmm. filling in all the stuff that wasn't there. And, you know, you fast forward to today where you can get a racing form online that you can then click on to see the chart of a race or click on to see a replay of the race, you know, rather than sifting through a bunch of mildewed newspapers in in your basement. And the opportunity to to play this game, you know, from your desktop, I mean, of course, we'd, we'd love people to go out to the racetrack as much as possible. 
But, you know, it's the only legal Internet gambling around. I wish the industry would play that up a little bit more. Uh, and uh, you, you can have a pretty nice life sitting at your desk and playing the races from home. Well, of the changes that you saw, because I know some old-timers here, okay, I've been around for a while, that used to, you know, keep all the charts, and they knew for a fact that, you know, uh, Bob Baffert with blinkers off won 31% of the time, or, you know, or guys that coming back with layoffs, what their percentage was. I remember guys in the press box getting so mad at us when we went to the expanded version saying, hey, come on, I don't want everybody to have this information. This is how I make my living. I mean, guys were actually getting mad that you guys were coming up with creative ways of dispensing information. Well, and I think the people who, who got the maddest, maybe, and, you know, I would have been one of them if I hadn't been on the other side of this, were people who made their own speed figures, you know, which is something that takes a, a lot of time and expertise. Uh, and I did it for about 10 years. But when we put the buyer speed figures first in the racing times and then eventually in the racing form, uh, you know, every guy who'd had a big edge by making his own speed figures suddenly didn't have that edge anymore, and uh, some of those people have never let me forget that. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I'm going back in time, and as I recall, you, and I believe it was Mike Watchmaker, came to Cincinnati to, to do a seminar. I think you had just come out with, with one of your books. Maybe it was Bet with the Best. I'm not sure. But I remember driving from the airport. First of all, I was very honored to pick you guys up, and I'm thinking, God, i got a million questions for these guys between the airport and the track. And I found myself on the other side, Stephen, answering questions from you as to what do you want to see, what do your players want. Uh, I, I, that's an amazing part of your personality is that it seems to me it's like, okay, what do they want, and then how can I find a way to deliver the information in a fashion that, that Joe Sixpack wants? Yeah, you, you know, I mean, in sort of any other business in the world, that would kind of be 101, you know, what do, what do your customers want and, and how can you give it to them? But, you know, racing for so long had a monopoly on, on legal gambling or virtual monopoly on it. And, you know, I remember when I first came around as a cub reporter and I asked a director of marketing at a major track, uh, wh where do your customers come from? And he said, under a rock. And <laughs> I think that really was the prevailing attitude in a lot of racing when I first came around. All you had to do was open the gates, and, you know, the horse players would come in and, and lose their money, and, and, you know, it was a foolproof business. But then as casino gambling and lotteries began to spread, racing very belatedly, I think, realized, hey, you know, we actually have to compete for these customers. We, we actually have to put on a good show. So while there's still a way to go, it's been my experience that, you know, player-centric customer service at the tracks, it, it's like night and day from what it used to be, and that, you know, tracks have introduced more interesting wagering menus and, and lower minimum bets that – allow modest players to get in on the fun of what used to be private poker games among the high rollers. So I, I, there's never been a better time to be a horse player. No, not as far as uh, how easy you can access it. 
and how much information you can get. Um, do you almost compete against yourself sometimes? Because when I look at all of the handicapping tools that are available, uh, from a, a quick uh, sheet to the formulator to the uh, make a ticket, I mean, uh, do you find out that some people just prefer a certain niche and that's where they go, or that there's a, a across-the-board sampling of the different aspects? Yeah, I, I, I'm. You know, one of the great things about this game is that no two people play it the same way. And, you know, every horse player has a kind of complicated set of personal preferences and angles that they like to look for and, and things like that. So it's, it's certainly not my experience that if you give everyone more information, you know, that they're all going to land on the same horse or suddenly we're going to have 60% winning favorites or a ton of two-to-five shots. Uh, you know, you, you can give... 10 horse players, all the information in the world, you know, about a difficult race like, say, <laughs> Distravers on Saturday, and they'll come up with 10 different horses. Absolutely. That's, a, that's well stated. And I think certain people get into a, a favoritism niche in that, you know, they maybe like a, a particular track, which I recommend, you know, the, you know, dance with the one that brung you. There's, there's nothing more frustrating to me to, than to see somebody in the race book or an OTV parlor as soon as the race is over they're looking for the next screen where they're already in the post parade and they seem unprepared for it I, I think you, when you go to the races even, even if you're going to play multiple tracks you need to have that information already in your hand oh I, I agree with you I mean my hat is <clears throat> off to people who can play six tracks a day uh, I absolutely can't I mean 95 if not more percent of, of my career action, has been through Naira racing because that's what I followed. That's what I, I felt I knew best, uh, that if I had any edge, it, it was there. Um, you know, and to me, there, there's no fun in picking up, you know, a form for a track I never look at and, and just kind of guessing at it. I mean, you really develop a feel over the years for things that can't necessarily be quantified but that, you know, things that work and things that, that don't work. And, you know, that's the kind of knowledge you get through experience, uh, which is why no one's ever going to have an edge on, on knowledge in this game. Well, I, I think what's great is I, I think this is a sport that, obviously, it's a cerebral challenge, but it's also a social uh, sport. And so you and some friends can sit there, share information, argue if you want, you know, hopefully maybe agree on something. But I think that the, you guys have done a great job at bringing together some personalities like uh, Dan Elman and uh, Matt Bernier, Mike Beer. These guys kind of put, you know, like, uh, hey, you're my buddy at the track uh, kind of feel to, to the form when you go online. Yeah, and, uh, look, horse players love, love to argue. And, you know, the, there's an ongoing dynamic of, you know, I like the three. The three, you're an idiot. The three can't possibly. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you can, you can spend a day having those conversations uh, around the track. Absolutely. And that's the best part of it. You can be standing in line to make a bet and have a great conversation with a, with a multimillionaire and the groom behind you all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, with the exception of certain pools like the pick six, which do discriminate against smaller bettors, um, you know, the, the nice thing about standard wagering, you know, win, play, show, exact, is, and tries, 
is that it really doesn't matter whether you came to the track with $100 or $10,000. Um, you know, you, you compete on a very level playing field. And that's what it is. I always have to remind everybody, you, you just got to be smarter than the guy next to you. You're not betting against the house. And to this day, some people don't understand that. Well, I'm seeing from my uh, producer here, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we come back, we're going to be talking to Stephen Christ uh, about some of his uh, favorite people, places, races, horses, and, of course, the Midsummer Derby. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, uh, Stephen Chris, the longtime Daily Racing Forum executive and columnist who uh, is going to kick back and take things easy, but it's fun looking at some of the things that he certainly had a hand in of the Daily Racing Forum. I'd have to say he's the modern-day Joe Hirsch, in my opinion. Um, Stephen, uh, we were talking a little bit about some of the old days uh, during the commercial break. Um, I'm just wondering what uh, certainly the, the sport is during our day, and I want to call it the heyday, I guess everybody thinks when they, they were watching a sport or whatever, it was best, you know, uh, the Green Bay Packers or the New York Giants or whatever were better back in the 60s. But um, what, what about the era of, let, let's say, the, the 70s, when we had uh, Forgo and Secretariat and Seattle Slough? Did you have a favorite period in which you covered racing? Oh, I, you know, I think like everyone else, and I mean, it's whenever you come around this game or, or most others, you know, it's the baseball players you looked up to as a kid you think were the, you know, the best ball players ever. Uh, I mean, the, the very first time I went to Belmont Park, I saw Firmed and Aladar run against each other as two-year-olds. So, you know, that, that was a nice 
way to start going to the racetrack. And, and obviously you had, you know, that string of triple crown winners and for, you know, foregoing ruffian and a, a big period like that in the, the seventies. Um, I'll tell you the last five years have been, you know, pretty good. Uh, in racing as well, and we've had a lot of star horses, and the two that we just put all in the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, Rachel Alexandra and Zenyatta and uh, Curlin, I was a huge fan of his. Uh, so, you know, there's there's still plenty of really good ones around. I guess the, the thing that's changed that I'm not all that happy about uh, is that these horses don't have the kind of careers that they used to. You know, they're, the male horses are so managed for stallion careers that people are afraid to run them after their three-year-old years. And training in general has changed. Uh, people don't use races as preps or to get horses fit anymore. Uh, you know, to them, an ideal campaign for a horse is six races rather than 12 races. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that prevents interest from deepening and, and rivalries from being created. Uh, you know, now the theory is you duck the best horses all year until the Breeders' Cup, and then the best horses run against each other exactly once, and, and that's not a healthy development. No, but hopefully we have a modern anomaly to that in California Chrome. We know that there's different reasons that he wasn't shuttled off to the to breeding shed after his uh, championship season and uh, Derby and Preakness win, but it's kind of fun watching this horse's career and what they've done with him. Well, you know, it's almost like the two things you hope for the most that a really good horse either is a gelding or is horrendously bred. And that's the case with California Chrome. I mean, nobody was trying to whisk that horse off the racetrack and, and send him to stud. So for a kind of backward reason, you know, we've now got him running as a, as a five-year-old, and, and he's clearly improved since he was a three-year-old. Um, so we, we all got lucky that he's not, you know, by tapping. <laughs> well, no, he wouldn't be running today. But I'll tell you what, he's a horse, uh, and you've probably seen this over the years, that's kind of riding his own pedigree. Yeah, and I mean, who, you know, you, you never know with, with the breeding end of this thing. I mean, out of the Triple Crown winners of the 70s, no one expected Seattle Slough, you know, to be the most dominant sire of the last 25 years. He was considered an almost wrong side of the track's you know, horse with a weak pedigree. Uh, so, you know, who, who knows who's going to reproduce himself? Well, I, I think one of the pleasures of being a longtime racing fan is when horses that you really liked as racehorses go to stud, and, you know, you, you root for them. Uh, so, you know, for example, to me, it's been a great pleasure to see Curlin be such a good sire right off the bat because, it you know, it validates your feeling that this is a real one-of-the-ones great horse. Absolutely. Well, it's going to be fun to watch the chapters uh, as they unfold going to the Breeders' Cup, which is uh, now you know Racing's World Series. I think another horse I'd just like to get your read on, who's uh, certainly eye-popping, is the Philly Songbird. Well, obviously, she's a, a very, very, very good filly. I mean, she's 10 for 10. She dominated her division at 2. She's dominating her division at 3. But I think people who say, oh, they should run her against California Chrome and, and Frosted, 
I, 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 she would be blown off the track. She's, I'm sorry, she's a terrific filly, but she's not within five or ten lengths of the best older males in the country. They've managed her very well, and I like the fact that they've said, well, perhaps down the road when she gets older, we'll meet the boys. But right now, we're going to race her within our division. I think that's very wise of them. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and look, if she con- she's conquered all two-year-old Philly word, worlds. She's not conquered all three-year-old Philly worlds. Great. Bring her back next year. Or maybe she'll dominate the older Phillies. And then you think about running her against males toward the end of the year. Well, um, in the Engelhart family, we always had a what we called a holy race of obligation. And that was the Traverse Stakes. It would kind of be our annual family reunion. And we would meet up there for the Midsummer Derby. And, of course, got to see some great, great horses. It seems like the three-year-old division this year has kind of leveled itself out with three different winners of the Triple Crown races. And uh, we are going to get to see uh, two of them compete on Saturday, an exaggerator and creator. So... With that said, uh, 14 horses, nobody's ducking anybody. What's your read on this year's Traverse Stakes? I think it's a very entertaining and a very difficult race. Uh, I mean, as, as you said, with three different winners of the Triple Crown races, you know, you've got a situation where it's wide open, and even people with talented allowance horses, you know, can see a path to where they could still become the three-year-old champion. I mean, it's been a long time since the three-year-old championship wasn't, you know, decided by about June 15th. Uh, and there wasn't much drama to the three-year-old races, you know, later in the season. I mean, I, you know, if I had to vote for an Eclipse Award winner today, you know, I think you have to vote for Exaggerator. Um, you know, he's won the Preakness and the Haskell. No, nobody's really put together. And the Santa Anita Derby, which is also a grade one. So, I mean, if I, I think if Exaggerator were to win the Travers, he'd have a big, big lead for the three-year-old title. But, you know, if, if he doesn't, uh, it's still very much wide open. And uh, I, I'm interested in, in prices in this race. I mean, I fully, you know, respect Exaggerator. But unless it rains Saturday, I mean, this is still a horse who's never won a route race on a fast track. I think he's right. a, a freak. And, you know, if it rains, for, forget it. He's going to win by the length of the stretch. If, if it doesn't, uh, you know, I'm not convinced that he's significantly better uh, than a bunch of other horses in here. And I also think it's very strange that, you know, you've got two winners of Triple Crown races in, in this race, and one of them's the three-to-one favorite, Exaggerator, and the other creator is 15-to-one on the line. Yes, I know. And at that price, I would pick him. Um, you know, I thought his Belmont was very good. I thought his Arkansas Derby was good. And, you know, you're getting 15 to 1 because he couldn't have run worse than the Jim Dandy. Uh, I mean, he was, you know, last every step of the way, but I think that was a bad, almost meaningless race where, I mean, a maiden got on the lead. Nobody changed position during the race. And I also don't think that they were any, even at 90% with Creator. I mean, they, more than anyone else, I think, in that field, really used the Jim Dandy as a, a prep for the Travers. And to me, the key to the Travers has always been, you know, not 
who's the fastest horse at a mile and an eighth, but who actually wants to go a mile and a quarter on a, on a demanding, generally tiring track. And, you know, if, if you mean anything close to 15 to 1 on creator, I'm betting him. <laughs> well, I can't blame you. I pointed that out earlier in the show. Uh, well, Steve and Chris, I can't uh, thank you enough for, for being on, and I can't thank you enough for all your fantastic writing over the years, your, your contributions to the sport, and uh, I, I hope you keep a hand in it in whatever fashion you want, because after all the hard work you've put in, you deserve a rest. Well, that's, that's awfully nice of you, John, and uh, I'd be happy to keep a hand in by uh, coming on and talking with you anytime. I love to hear that. Well, I've got your numbers, so look out now. Have a a good time. Have a great weekend. Have a great Midsummer Derby, and uh, go jog around the block with those greyhounds of yours. Thanks. Please do the same. All right. We've been talking with Steve and Chris, uh, just a fantastic individual in our sport of racing. And I want to wish all the best to Robert Forbeck and his new challenges with the Daily Racing Forum. And I want to wish you folks a slew of winners over this weekend. Now, don't forget, there is a million-dollar pick four starting with race eight at Saratoga. So come on over to winningponies.com, pull down those easy win forms, and compare them to the information that we got from our guests tonight. I thank you very much for listening. Again, I thank Stephen and Robert. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.